Let's pray together. Father, and that is our prayer, that you would open up our hearts and that they would be yours. There are too many distractions in this world, Lord. There are way too many things vying for our affection and attention. We pray that our focus would be yours and our heart would beat for the things of you. Lord, I I pray that you would just grant me a liberty right now and just a freedom as I preach. And Lord, I ask for your hand of favor and blessing upon this message that it will impact and encourage and challenge and change the people who are gathered here right now. And we know that by your spirit, this can take place. And so, Lord, I I ask that you would personalize this message for everyone here. I ask that you would enable me to just wrap my arms around your people and just preach my heart out and just encourage them. Father, may we be able to leave this place today knowing that we have heard from God. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I am on Facebook and Twitter, and my latest foray into the world of social media is Instagram. How many Instagrammers do we have out there, okay? Now, last few weeks I'm on Instagram, and there's this guy from El Salvador stalking me. I'm not kidding you. From, from uh, on Instagram. He's followed me and now he's commenting on my pictures and he's sending me messages and he's reposting my pictures on his wall and it's a little strange and it's a little disconcerting to say the least. And everything's in Spanish. No hablo espanol, man. <laughs> no comprendo, okay? I don't get this stuff. So, so I'm doing my best to ignore this guy and Ceci Gonzalez, who comes to our church, you know, uh, follows me on Instagram. She speaks Spanish and she sends me a text message or sends me a message and says, hey, would you like me to translate for you? And I said, "Mm, I guess, okay, yes. And this is what he wrote. Scott, you were my sponsor in Christ for the Christian school in El Salvador from 1990 to 1997. It is a pleasure to know about you guys. Please see my Instagram and you will see I am not lying. May God bless you. He was Carla and I's compassion child. When we first got married, we took on a compassion child and supported him until he graduated from school. And little Carlos, here's a picture of him that hung on our refrigerator. He's now 29 years old. That's my baby. <laughs> so anyway, I, I called Carla and started telling Carla on the phone about this person. And then the compassion child, she blurted out, Carlos, and just started crying right on the spot. 23 years ago, when we first got married, we didn't have any money. And we decided to sacrifice and set aside $20 every month to put this little kid in a Christian school so that he could learn about Jesus. And we saw it through all the way till, till graduation. I want to tell you right off the bat, it is always worth it to sacrifice to the Lord. It is always worth it. And I want to tell you something else. You are never too poor to give to God. Don't you dare use that excuse. You are never too poor to give to God and to his work, ever. Acts 20, 35, it is truly more blessed to give than what? To, than to receive. We were committed to little Carlos. And I mean committed. It didn't matter how tight our budget was. $20 every month we sent. It didn't matter how many years it took to support him. We supported him. It didn't matter if we ever got a thank you note in return. We were going to support little Carlos. And Carlos, come to find out, was very committed to us. Here's a picture of Carlos today. 
Here's some of the messages he was sending in Spanish. I am looking for these people. He is Scott and Carla Poling with their kids, Brenna and Grayson. This picture is in 1996. They lived in Dallas, Texas. And he posted an old picture that we had sent to him of my wife and I and Brenna and Grayson, okay? Here's another one. I hope to have news from you soon. May God bless you. Here's another one. I have sent Facebook requests to you and Carla. And I just kept ignoring, and I kept blowing them off, and I kept thinking, who is this Central American nut job? Get out of my face, okay? And, and he just kept persisting and kept persisting and kept persisting, and Ceci was translating one of the messages, and she texted me and said, okay, now I'm starting to cry as I translate this one. This is what he wrote. When I put these pictures on Instagram, I prayed that I could find you. And that if you didn't speak Spanish or understand this, that God would provide someone to help with this. Is God not good or what? It's awesome. And so I told Ceci I was going to be using this as an illustration on Sunday morning. And right away she said, don't use my name. <laughs> well, I also told her, I, I got to use your name. Because it, then people are thinking, well, who speaks Spanish? And who's, who's, who's interpreting this or translating this? Blah, blah, blah. So she said, she texted back, fine. Cecilia Martha Hidalgo de Gonzalez. <laughs> so I just texted her back and said, no comprendo. <laughs> Anyway, Carlos was committed to finding us in spite of me ignoring him over and over and over again, in spite of me assuming he was a crazy man, in spite of me never responding back to him. He showed commitment. He wasn't going to give up. He persistently sent messages. He kept commenting on my pictures and posting pictures and trying to get my attention. Commitment is a wonderful quality in a person, isn't it? It's just wonderful. That, that never die attitude, that stick to it, get the job done mindset, that dig in and never give up lifestyle. And God loves that kind of commitment. Do you know why? Because that's the kind of God we have. We have a God who is committed. He is committed to you, his child. He is committed to his people. He is committed, friends. And that's what God wants out of us. He wants his children to be children of commitment. And we're going to learn about God's hardcore commitment to his children today. And we're going to learn how to grow in our own commitment to God and to his people. And I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Nehemiah chapter 9. And in Nehemiah chapter 9, they've been reviewing the history of what God has been doing. How he's taken them out of Egypt and blessed them in so many ways and provided and protected and delivered them. We've seen God's character revealed in his forgiveness and compassion and love and how gracious he is and patient. But it's one thing to say you're committed, it's another to prove it. And now we get to see God proving it and showing his commitment and the extent that he will go on behalf of his people to show his commitment. Read along in verse 17 is where we'll start of Nehemiah chapter 9. We see the people of God. They refuse to listen again. They did not remember your wondrous deeds which you had performed among them. So they became stubborn. How stubborn? Well, they appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. And then we learn about God. You are a God of forgiveness, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness, and you did not forsake them. That's God's commitment. Verse 18, even when they made for themselves a calf of molten metal, and said, this is your God who brought you up from Egypt and committed great 
blasphemies. What do we learn about true commitment? Number one is this. True commitment will be tested. Commitment will be tested. And that's how we see it's true commitment. It'll be proven. Sometimes commitment will be tested by betrayal. They, they, they say, this is, a, this is our God, this calf of molten metal. In other words, they decide to replace God in their lives. They decide to replace the one who loves them and cares for them and delivered them and protected them and provided them. They, they decide to, pro, to, to replace him with some material object. How quickly humans desert the one true God. How quickly they turn their back and replace him with a false God. And they replace God with things that are so trivial and so foolish. I mean, this is crazy. A molten piece of metal in the shape of a calf. This is our God? You may say, I'd never do something like that, really. You'd never replace the spiritual with the material? It's amazing to me how many humans worship a ball. A basketball, a golf ball, a tennis ball, a baseball. And their lives revolve around a ball or their sports of their kids. It's amazing. How many people worship a job or worship the money from the job? And they're consumed with money, 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 job, job, job. It's become your golden calf. That's what it's become. They worship some hobby or they worship another person that their life now revolves around when it used to revolve around their relationship with the Lord. And they have forgotten the God that loved them and blessed them and helped them and provided for them and forgave them of all their sins. Listen to what they're saying. It makes no sense. This is your God who brought you up from Egypt. They are not dealing with reality. Well, any time you allow the material to replace the spiritual, you're not dealing with reality. Any time you and I allow the material things of this world to replace the spiritual relationship we should have with God, we are not dealing with reality. Don't allow what is material to become more important than the spiritual. The other thing that stood out as I studied this passage was just the remarkable attitude of these people with their finances. We look in scripture and we're told they plundered the Egyptians as they left Egypt. The Egyptians said, here, take it, get out of here. And God allowed them to reap in an incredible way financially from the Egyptians as they left Egypt. And so they had all of this gold and all of this finances. The crazy thing is, they take a good part of it and they melt it down and make a calf. This is crazy. They take what should have honored God, their resources, and they use it to dishonor God. The thing they should have been using to honor God, they're now using it to dishonor God. Let me ask you a question. What are you doing with the resources God has given you? What is the golden calf that you are wasting it on? That lake house you worship. That sport you worship. That hobby you worship. Where are you throwing your resources away? Instead of honoring God the way he's been wanting you to honor him with your resources. You've actually started to dishonor him 
with your golden calf. Don't waste what God has given you on false gods. Start worshiping God, the true God, with your resources. Verse 18, this is your God who brought you up out of Egypt. How hurtful. How painful to be replaced with something so trivial. So, some of you know what it feels like to be replaced. You, you were replaced on a sports team. You used to start, now you sit at the bench. And someone else has taken your position. How hurtful, how painful to be replaced at work. You were fired, you were let go, you were downsized. Someone else has your job. How hurtful, how painful. How about your marriage? Your spouse was unfaithful. Now they're seeing someone else, they're married to someone else, they're engaged to someone else. And you can pretend all you want, it's not a big deal. But inside you're hurt. There's pain there. Or maybe a friendship. You were best friends with somebody and now they have a new best friend. When you're replaced, it's painful. It's hurtful. Don't replace your relationship with God with anything. Don't hurt him that way. Don't pain your your heavenly father that way. He has cared so much for you and done so much for you. Don't allow that hobby or that sport or that sinful habit of selfishness to consume your life when you should be consumed with God. True commitment is tested by betrayal. True commitment is also tested when verbally attacked. It says that they committed great blasphemies, words of hurt and hate and profane curses and demeaning insults. You know what it's like. Some of you can recall word for word for word what that person said to you because it so seared your heart. And it was years ago. And it's still tender because it hurt that bad. There's a saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words what? Never hurt me? Baloney, Jack. That's, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Words hurt a lot worse than sticks and stones ever could and go a lot deeper than sticks and stones ever could. Their blasphemies would have been sacrilegious words, irreverent words, words of contempt for God, and part of it was attributing the work of God to a false idol. And let me tell you something. These Israelites better be glad I wasn't God. I mean, the full wrath, immediate wrath, You would think God would have just burned them up in a minute. Is that what God did? No. Why? Because God was committed to his people. He's a God of incredible commitment. And commitment, true commitment, will be tested. And secondly, true commitment, this is amazing, leads when it's not loved. Look at verse 19. Verse 19 tells us, You and your great compassion did not forsake. Did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud did not, leave, did not leave them by day to guide them on their way, nor the pillar of fire by night to light for them the way in which they were to go. It says, you and your great compassion did not forsake. Listen, the greater the compassion, the greater the commitment. The greater the compassion, the greater the commitment. And that's why some of you struggle with commitment, because you struggle with compassion. You don't love like you should love. 
Because if you loved like you should love, you can lead like you should lead. God can lead like he leads because he loves. And God is committed because he's compassionate. Compassion means mercy and sympathy. And again, six times in chapter 9, we're we're told this word used of God. Verse 17 and verse 19. Verse 27 and verse 28. And twice in verse 31, we are told, compassion, compassionate, compassion, compassionate. He did not forsake them. Now, he had more than enough reason to be done with these people. I mean, he, he was done with them. I mean, man, he could have been done with them and left them to rot in the wilderness somewhere. Now, now some of you know what it's like to have a bad dog. Have you ever had a bad dog growing up? How many of you have a bad dog now? Okay. All right, you got a bad dog. Uh, Carl and I, the kids, we had a dog, our second dog, many years ago. His name was Shooter. And we, we got him from a pound in Plainfield. And that cutest little doggy. oh my goodness, he was adorable until he started to grow. You know what I mean. And all of a sudden, this aggression came out and a domineering spirit. You couldn't even go near his food dish. He'd bare his teeth and growl and snap at you. He ended up biting two of my boys and drawing blood on them. We knew we had a bad dog. And so I called the pound, which was a no-kill pound. And I said, what do we do about this dog? You know what they said? Put it down. They said, put it down. And so we did. I want you to understand what God has on his hands. He's got a whole pack of bad dogs. And they're snapping at him and growling at him and biting at him and turning on him. And God stays committed to them for 40 years. For 40 years. Talk about commitment. He didn't forsake them in the wilderness. God doesn't quit on his people. And some of you need to hear that this morning. God hasn't quit on you. Even though you've been biting at him. Even though you've been growling at him. God, I don't like this part of my life. Even though you've been turning and running from him. He's been trying to get your attention. Come on back. I love you. And all you can do is sniff around in this world and do what you want to do. God is still committed to you. And some of you blew it this past week really bad. Some of you blew it yesterday. And you need to know God is still committed to you. That he still loves you. That he's still compassionate. And that he still cares. You need to understand he's not going to take you to the pound. He's not going to give you away on Craigslist. He's just not going to do it. He's not going to put you down. He still loves you, and he's still committed to you. Why? 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he what? He remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. He's committed to you. He loves you. Lamentations chapter 3, you know the verse well. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. Recall this to mind and have hope. What is it? The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed what? They never cease for his compassions what? Never fail. They are new how often? Every morning, say it with me. Great is your faithfulness. That is your God. He's committed to you. He doesn't quit on you. And, and we need to learn this because some of us, Some of us quit on people way too soon. 
And honestly, you need to stop being a quitter. It gets a little hard, you quit. It gets inconvenient, you quit. Someone makes you mad, you quit. And God is saying, that's not how I operate with you. Do you want me to start operating that way with you? No. Then start acting the way I act towards you. Let let me give you for instance. Don't be a quitter when it comes to your job. Stick it out. You just don't walk out one day without warning saying, I quit. Grow up. Now, you may want to resign from your job. That's fine. But you better do it with dignity and you better do it with character. Don't ruin your testimony by being a spoiled, rotten, little tantrum-telling, whatever, temper tantrum type of kid walking out on your job and you're going to teach them. No, you're not going to teach them, friends. Don't be a quitter when it comes to your job. Don't be a quitter when it comes to school. Finish what you've started. Put in the time and the effort. Get your degree. Finish the class. Study hard. Don't you be a quitter when it comes to school. Don't be a quitter when it comes to your marriage. Some of you want to just throw in the towel. Tired of putting up with so-and-so. He's a bear to live with, Pastor. Tired of putting up with her. You don't know how she treats me when we're not at church. I, I, I think you made promises before God and made vows till what? Death do you part. Now, I remember a professor in seminary would say, divorce? Never thought of it. Murder? Hmm. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 13, love never fails. That's love. That's commitment. Now, I I understand sometimes there's sexual immorality, there's unfaithfulness. And God gives an exception in those places in Scripture. He does. But do you realize even in that exception, God says the only reason I did it is because of the hardness of your heart. And Malachi tells us God hates what? He hates divorce. So even in unfaithfulness and sexual immorality, God would still prefer reconciliation any day of the week over divorce. Don't don't quit on your marriage. Don't quit in life. Some of you, again, are known as quitters. That's how people see you. They think, oh, it's going to get hard. They're going to quit. Oh, it's going to get hard. They're going to get another job. They get another job. Then they'll get another job. Next time, well, we got another job. They, They just see you as quitter. It's inconvenient for you. You quit. You quit the team. You quit the this. You quit that. When are you going to be more like God and less like this world? When are you going to say, I'm not going to be a quitter anymore? I'm going to be a man of commitment. I'm going to be a woman of commitment like my God. I'm going to be a young person of commitment. And God's commitment is shown. He leads them. The pillar of cloud did not leave them by day to guide them on their way, nor the pillar of fire by night to light for them the way in which they were to go. Every single day, every single night, he led them. He never withdrew his presence. He could have. He could have said, I'm out of here. You're on your own. Wander around all you want in this desert and die of your meager existence out here. Waste away. Fine. Get lost out there for all I care. God could have said that. He didn't. Because they needed him whether they knew it or not. And they needed him whether they acknowledged him or not. And there's things like that in your life too. They need you whether they know it or not. 
and they need you, whether they acknowledge it or not, your children need you. Stay committed to them. Your parents need you. Stay committed to them. Your friends need you. Stay committed to them. Your work needs you. Stay committed to them. Your ministry where you serve the Lord needs you. Stay committed to it. Your spouse needs you. Stay committed to them. True commitment will be tested. Leads when it's not loved. You who are in the educational field will love this one. True commitment teaches when they won't listen. You know what it's like, teachers. Class full of kids not paying attention, you still got to teach them. Talking and goofing off, you still got to teach them. God teaches his people even though they won't listen. God is teaching you this morning. And some of you will not listen. Fine, I'm done teaching. (laughs) No, because I'm what? I'm committed to you. I'm committed to you. Parents with children not listening, they still teach them. It says in verse 20, you gave your good spirit to instruct them. God could have allowed an, easy, an evil spirit to torment them. He didn't. He gave them a good spirit, his spirit. Why? To instruct them. It means to par, par, uh, impart knowledge to them and, and provide authoritative information to them. Well, how did God instruct them? One way was through his word. Remember the finger of God carving on the stone ten commandments. His own hand wrote those commandments. Moses would bring them down. And then other commandments would be added. And those commandments, understand, were rules to live by, laws to protect them, to teach them, to reveal their sin and their need of God's forgiveness and salvation as well. His instruction is good for us. Sometimes we don't want to hear his instruction, but we know it's good for us. And that's where some of you are this morning. You don't want to hear what you're hearing right now, but it's good for you. And you need to listen to the Lord. He also gave them men to teach them. He gave them Moses to teach them. He gave them the 70 elders in Israel. The Spirit of God was placed upon them to teach them. Numbers 11, 17, and 25 teach that. True commitment. It will be tested. It leads when it's not loved. It teaches when they won't listen. And true commitment provides when they're ungrateful. Provides when they're ungrateful. And now we see the unmerited generosity of God. Look at verse 20. Your manna you did not withhold from their mouth. You gave them water for their thirst. Indeed, 40 years you provided for them in the wilderness and they were not in want. Their clothes did not wear out. Their feet did not swell. Just walk through this with me. He provided food for their mouths. Their whining, grumbling, whining, complaining, ungrateful mouths. He fed them. He could have starved them out and said, fine. No manna for you anymore. And he continued to feed their ungrateful faces and supply physical strength and nourishment. Provided water for them. He could have let them fend for themselves. Fine, go ahead and dig some wells in the desert. See if that'll help you. He didn't. He gave them streams of water from a rock. Forty years worth. Forty years. He makes them breakfast every morning, save the Sabbath. Forty years. That's called commitment. Providing when it does, he doesn't have to and sustaining when it's not appreciated and staying committed even to the ungrateful. And by the way, God provides for you as well every single day. Every single day he provides for you. In spite of all the whining you do about the weather. 
It's too cold. Come summer, it's too hot. And it's rainy. And it's too dry. And it's too this. You know, last time I checked, God doesn't have to check with you on how the weather should be today. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us what? That's right. Every single day, get up and thank God for whatever the weather is. And stop whining and complaining about it. God provides our daily needs in spite of all the complaining we do about our jobs. Oh, I got to drive this far and the traffic's so bad and I got to work with these people and the boss and the pay and the... You know what? Thank God you have a job. Thank God you have a job. Shut your mouth and stop complaining about it. You have a job. In spite of all the moaning we do about our bodies, all the aches and all the pains and all the this and all the that, thank God you can breathe. Thank God you're alive. Thank God, just thank God. Stop whining and complaining and moaning. Philippians 2, 14 and 15, do all things without grumbling or disputing. All things, he says. So that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation in which we live. Among whom you appear as lights in the world. God is saying, do you understand what you do when you whine and you moan and you grumble and you complain? You just dim and darken your light. And you don't even look like a child of God anymore. You look like a child of hell. You look like a child of this world. Because that's how the people of this world act. All they do is whine and grumble and complain and moan about everything. And God is saying, protect your testimony. Prove yourself to be blameless and innocent. Prove yourself a child of God. You will stand out when you stop complaining. You will stand out when you stop your griping and moaning. You will be so different, people will realize you are a child of God. Something's different about you. And right now you gripe and complain and moan so much you look just like the world. And yes, I'm griping about it right now. (laughs) God is saying, come on. Protect your testimony. Fed them, gave them water, 40 years, provided clothing. Their clothes didn't wear out. Now, this is the kind of clothes I want to get. Better than North Face, man. Look at this. All-terrain, rugged outdoor gear. I don't know. Their clothes did not wear out. What is this all about? God miraculously provided for them supernaturally. He did. And not only that for their feet, nor did their feet swell. That's the kind of kicks I want to get. These kind of shoes. I mean, think about it. Supernatural bodily protection here. A lot of long walking and tedious traveling and no paved roads and rough paths. And God gave them physical stamina that they needed. Deuteronomy 8.4, their clothing didn't wear out, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. 29.5 of Deuteronomy, I led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you. Your sandals not worn out on your feet. This was proof that God cared for his people in a practical way. That he provided for them Every single day that he took care of his people. And and let me tell you something. I don't think it's easy to provide for ungrateful people. But God did for his people. And God does for you and me. And God does even for this world. Matthew 5, 43. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's not easy. That you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Act like God in heaven. Because he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends good things to both evil and, and good people. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous for their crops. 
For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? Stop complaining about those people that you don't like and start blessing them. Your light will shine. If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be what? Perfect. As your heavenly Father is perfect. You may say, well, I can't be perfect. It means mature. Do the word study. It means complete. You know what God is saying? Grow up. Commitment is a sign that you have grown up, is what it is, that you're maturing. We need to grow up and be more like God. Proverbs 25, 21. If your enemy's hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For you'll heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. You may say, I'll get into that part. Let me heap burning coals on their head. What's he talking about? He's saying, as you bless them, it shames them. That's what it does. Just bless them and let me work in their hearts, God says. Principles repeated in Romans 12. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. Thirsty, give him a drink. In so doing, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Look at verse 21. Say it with me. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. How? By your commitment. By your commitment to them. To do what is right in God's eyes. To do what is good. And that's true commitment. What is true commitment? Say it with me. True commitment will be tested. Leads when it's not loved. Teaches when they won't listen. And provides when they're ungrateful. Let's pray. Father, how we thank you for your commitment to us that we do not deserve. Forgive us at times for growling and snapping and biting and running away. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Just talk to the Lord right now about your commitment. What needs to change right now in your life? Where do you need to have more commitment where you started to flounder? Ask God for forgiveness for for complaining and whining. Maybe just praise him, just worship him right now for his commitment to you, his amazing love to you, his unchanging love to you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You may be here this morning and you've never come to know the Lord as your Savior. His commitment is so great to you. His son died on the cross for your sins. He is committed to you to save your soul. And you may say, Scott, oh, I need God in my life. I need forgiveness. What do I do? In the quietness of this moment right now, I would just ask that you call out to God in faith. Just use words like these. Lord Jesus, please forgive me of all my sin. Please save me from all my sin. Thank you for your commitment to me. Thank you for your love for me. I place my faith in you to save me. I can't save myself. 
please forgive me and save me. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you've called out to the Lord this morning, we'd love to talk to you about that decision for Christ. And you can talk to a good Christian friend or family member or one of us here at the church. But when you came in, you were handed a bulletin.